Kia no mai, hi to mai, I'm Dan, welcome to the Short Vineyard Podcast, great to have you listening today. The message you're about to hear is from our current series called Eight Journeys, God Encounters That Could Change Us Forever. We want to explore this idea of being moved in 2019 from wherever we are now to wherever God is calling us to, taking whatever next step there is in our faith journey. So hopefully that's what this message encourages you to do. And stick around because at the end, I'll let you know how you could take a next step to be a further part of our church community. Right now, enjoy the message. Every year, as, as a year kind of winds up, we, we get together as a, as a staff at church, as I think a lot of organizations do, but we, we end up having a little bit of, a, a, little bit of a, a prayer time. And one of the things that came out towards the end of last year for us was, was this whole idea for, of journey. And the, the, the terminology that kind of came, came to the front was this idea of moving from here to there. So we think in 2019 that, that there's some conversations, some dialogue that's going to exist uh, within our community uh, about this whole idea of moving from here to there. I recognize that uh, that's a little bit ambiguous, but in a way that's kind of meant, I feel like it's kind of meant to be that way. We're going to talk a lot this year about moving from here to there. And it really is about trying to identify what that movement is for each and every one of us, well, even what that movement looks like for us as a community. And so even as we, as we begin this evening with our first series of the, the year, uh, an eight-week series called, uh, sorry, a four-week series called Eight Journeys, where we're going to be doing eight different sermons, uh, so different sermon morning and night, looking at uh, uh, journeys that uh, particular characters in the Bible go through. But as we do that, I just want to encourage you would, you, would you be willing to embrace this idea of journey? Um, I discovered uh, some years ago as I was, when I was doing my uh, master's study, uh, I, just, I became captivated uh, at one point with, with the reality that the, the Bible is absolutely riddled with journey language, right? Journey plays such a significant part in the scriptures. And so, and so there's this movement that people are getting swept up in all the time, whether it's a movement out of slavery, uh, whether it's a movement towards a promised land, uh, whether it's a movement away from everything that they knew and towards something that they're completely unsure about, or a movement away from the thing that they thought they were sure about towards this whole new thing that happens on the other side of the resurrection. Whatever it is, the scriptures are riddled with journey language. And so it's an important thing, I think, for us to be talking about. So that's what I want to invite you to, uh, particularly over this month as we dive into this eight journeys series, which is happening over four weeks. Sorry, it's just tying me up uh, in my mind a little bit. Uh, tonight, we are going to lean into the story of Joshua. And if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn. There's a book called Joshua. Uh, and we're going to be just working a little bit with our chapter one. So if you've got an electronic device or a notebook or whatever, Joshua on one, one we're going to work with that uh, just a little bit. Right. Who is Joshua? Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, was from the tribe of Ephraim. He was a military commander of the Israelites. Uh, so he was put in place by Moses to take care of the military. This is in the wake uh, of them uh, getting out of Egypt. So uh, Joshua is someone who, who was a part of the Israel story for a really long time. He wasn't someone that was sort of born uh, while they were in the wilderness. He was born in Egypt. 
So he was a part of it. He would have been swept up in that whole story. He would have been all excited about the promised land. Joshua was someone who would have experienced the disappointment of not getting to that promised land. And he was a leader all through the 40 years that they spent camping outside the promised land. Um, He left Egypt along with the rest of the Israelite after years of slavery and he entered the wilderness with an anticipation, I think, uh, for the promised land. Um, He succeeded Moses as the leader of Israel and he led the people of Israel eventually into the land of Canaan. And in the process, he destroyed the Canaanites and established Israel in the land that had been promised to them through Abraham. And the thing about Joshua is that he followed God's commands directly revealed to him and directed to him through Moses and through the law of Moses. So he was this incredibly uh, connected uh, individual. He was uh, very close to Moses. He was the, the right-hand man. Um, he, he also had a very uh, distinct and indefinite relationship with God himself. Um, and so he's an absolutely fascinating character. And what we see time and time again is that he's incredibly faithful and incredibly consistent leader, well-loved, well-respected within the wider community. Um, there's a couple of key stories that I think are worth talking about before we dive uh, into Joshua chapter 1. Uh, and that's this, uh, in Exodus 17, these just to give you an idea a little bit of, uh, of who Joshua is. Uh, and we see him sort of emerge in the story quite prominently, Exodus 17, when he is declared by Moses to become the leader of the military and he leads them into the battle against the Amalekites. This was a fascinating battle actually because they were originally attacked by the Amalekites. Um, and the story goes is that, that Moses would sit up on the hill and every single time he lifted his hands, the Israelites would start to win the battle. And, and whenever his hand got tired and he let it back down, um, they would start to lose the battle. And so eventually he had people just sort of propping his hands up so he could have his hands over the battle. And, and Joshua was down there uh, on the battlefield leading everything. And so he was well known for being incredibly strong and incredibly courageous. Um, another prominent key sort of story uh, about Joshua uh, is that he was one of the 12 spies uh, that was sent into Canaan originally. And this is in Numbers chapter 13. So they're sent in to, to seek out the land and um, <clears throat> to see what it's like. And he comes back and it's only him and Caleb who give a positive report. Uh, all the other 10 spies sort of say, actually, no, this is not a thing. We can't go there. This, this, this can't be something that happens. And, and, and Joshua is actually incredibly disappointed by this because inside of his heart, he knows that, that this is the land that God has promised. So he's all for, for making a move for it. Um, and so we see this sort of faithfulness come through. So, so both of these stories, I think, they testify to uh, his steadfast faithfulness, his courage, and his reliance on God to provide. This is, what, this, this is the thing about Joshua, right? We're not, we're not necessarily talking about a transformation that happens along the way. We're talking about a consistency through the journey. We're talking about a man of faith man who knows what he's about, knows what he's moving towards, and in the face of the most dire circumstances, doesn't lose sight of the promise and the faith that he has in God. This is a story of steadfast faith. And then we find ourselves at something of a, um, a pivot point in the story as, uh, as the sort of reins of leadership are handed over to him. And this is where we find ourselves in Joshua chapter one. And so this, I think, when we're talking about moments of encounter along a journey, this is a really significant moment in Joshua's story. So we're, we're working with verses uh, one to nine in chapter one, and it goes something a little bit like this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, 
Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I had promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, uh, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I'm hoping I can track this right. Um, no man shall be able to stay with you all, for, uh, all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is a really significant moment for Joshua. This is a commissioning. This is a, a laying down on his life of, of, of who he is and what he's gonna be doing. And there's a couple of really significant things that are going on right here. Um, and I think it's almost like the, the author of Joshua is trying to pinpoint and really show that, that, that this, is God's, this is God's chosen successor to Moses, right? So, there's, so what we'll see, not just uh, in this little patch here of scripture, but in the, in the chapters that follow, you're gonna see a few things that sort of come out. Um, uh, like Moses, Joshua calls Israel to obey the Torah. So this was, a, this was a big thing of Moses, you know, obey the Torah, obey the law, in order that the world would see you and you would be a light to the nations, that you would reveal the nature and glory of God. That was the purpose of obeying the law and moving in the law. And so what does Joshua do? Well, in chapter one, he calls Israel to obey the law. So like Moses, Joshua calls Israel to obey the Torah. Like Moses, Joshua sends spies into the land, right? So Joshua actually sends spies. In chapter two, uh, he sends spies into the land, although this time the reports are way better. And actually uh, somewhere along the way, I don't think they're very good spies if they're like, actually catching up with Canaanites, but some Canaanites actually end up getting converted and, uh, and being like, yeah, this is a story I wanna be a part of. So it's a much more successful sort of mission into the land, this sort of probing, we see that in chapter two. And then in chapter three, like Moses, Joshua ends up leading Israel through a parted sea. So uh, the Jordan River is sort of, sort of parts and, and Israel enters the land of Canaan by walking through the river. It's the symbolic thing, okay? So the, the author here is trying to show us that, that Joshua is indeed ordained, anointed by God to lead Israel into the promised land. This is the commissioning and the call on his life to do so. This is really significant. And this moment that we see in the, at the very beginning of the book of Joshua is establishing him as that person, as that uh, successor to Moses. And I think that there's a, a few really key lessons, uh, things that we can pick up from these nine verses, things that are significant for us as we consider our own journeys of faith, our own movements with God. Um, and I think that, that we can draw on those things just a little bit. The first thing is this, is that the promise is never fulfilled without God. This is like the key thing we see. When we look at the scripture again, um, <clears throat> as, it, as it starts, uh, uh, 
uh, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. So there's this, there's this emphasis as God commissions, he says, hey, just so you know, this is what I am giving to you. I am involved, I am active, I am making this thing happen. This is, this is not in your own strength. Now we sort of know from Joshua's past when we look at even the battle with the Amalekites or something like that, he, he understands that when God's in the mix, the success comes, the, the victory happens. And he knows that when God's not in the mix, this is symbolized by Moses' hands going up and down. Joshua is incredibly aware of this and he's incredibly faithful to it. So he understands. What's fascinating as well, uh, when you look at the wider, uh, the wider book of Joshua is that we see this same thing play out um, uh, in, two, in two stories in particular. And so if you, if you look, you don't have to do this now, but later when you read uh, chapters uh, six through eight, which I know you guys always do, right? You go away, you read more, right? Afterwards, oh, it was so riveting. Just got to read the rest of the book, right? In chapters six and eight, there's, um, there's two battles right there's uh, uh, there's the the march around who knows Jericho yeah and then what's the other one what's that Valley of I there you go very good only one person a lot of people away Jericho Valley of I <laughs> we all know so there's these two battles that happen later on in the book of Joshua um, and they're, they're actually designed to kind of contrast, to show that this is what God is up to. So what what's happening is that are, uh, Israel are, to, are almost told to go in, in, a, in a passive sort of manner and march around the city. And they sort of march around six times and they're singing songs. And basically the hope is that, is that the city will just kind of like be like, this is really nice. We'd love you guys to take over. You know, that's kind of the hope, you know, and then, but obviously that doesn't happen. So what does God do? Well, God intervenes and on the seventh time round, when the trumpets are blown, the walls come down and everything kind of works out. But God is very much in that story. But then in the Valley of Ai, there, we've got the situation where there's, there's one Israelite who's stolen a bunch of stuff from Jericho. So he's committed this sin and suddenly it's like uh, Israel is out of favor with God. And when they go into this Valley of Ai, they are, they are sort of woefully overrun. And uh, it just doesn't work out so well. And so only once the sin has been dealt with, once they've dealt with this guy, is, are they then able to go in and, and, and take that land and move into the next thing. And so there's this, there's this sense that God is always in the promise, that, that nothing can be done without him. And I think that, that that can sometimes be a hard lesson for us. Often we're looking for things we can do uh, if, we tr if we're trying to meet these needs in our, in our own lives or fulfill something. It's, it's very easy for us to kind of let God fall by the wayside. It's actually hard to trust for the next thing and believe for the next thing sometimes. Because like even what I was speaking about last week, sometimes that requires patience. That requires a level of faith that we're, that, that we're often not ready to kind of step into and, and, and move in. It's a little bit scary or uncomfortable or it's just easier to put it in the too hard basket. But there is a sense where it's like, if you know it's good, if you know it's beautiful, if you know it's the thing that God's called you towards, sometimes you have to trust and you have to look for the hand of God and you have to say no to certain things and yes to other things. But those things can only happen when we believe and know that the promise would never be fulfilled without God being in the mix. And so I think we see that in the lesson of Joshua. Here in those, in those opening verses of, of, of Joshua chapter one, God's saying, this is the land that I am giving. My hand is in this. 
And there's a lesson for us in that in our own journeys as well. So how is that true in your own life? It's just a rhetorical question. You don't, don't have to answer that now. The second thing is this, is that God speaks to the character of the person. So God is in the business of affirmation, I think, and sort of calling out who we are, speaking to who we are. Three times in those nine verses, what does God say? He says, you are strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, verse six. Uh, Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous. Uh, And verse nine, be strong and courageous. Like we're talking about a guy who has a reputation within the entire sort of Israel community for being strong and courageous. These are like markers of his personality. But it's like when God says it to him, oof, that carries weight. And I'll tell you what, that sits with me. That sits with me pretty well because uh, I'm a little bit of an, an achievement-oriented person. I like it when people tell me that I've done things good, you know? It's like, so, you know, a little bit of an honesty moment. Like sometimes when I preach and afterwards people come up to me, they're like, man, that was a really good sermon. I'm like, oh my goodness, like maybe I'm a worthwhile human. You know, like, that's so good. You know, it like speaks to some sort of deep level inside of me. And then there are other Sundays when no one says anything. And then do you know what I think to myself? Well, Calvin, you're rubbish. Why are you doing this? No one one really wants to listen to you talking to a microphone. What are are these people even doing here? You know, Uh, anyway, so it's like plunges you into like these all sorts of like, I don't know, doubt and mucky sort of stuff. But it's actually important Uh, to have people speak to who we are. That's one of the special things I think about Christian community is that we often get to to be around each other and and, and speak to, you know, the the kindness and the generosity that we see in the other person. Or when we're walking down the street and we we even just recognize and affirm the humanity in the homeless person. Because, you know, like that's one of the things they struggle with is that when you've just got people walking by you, not even noticing, not even looking, you begin to feel like you're not human or you've got no worth. So affirmation is actually a really important thing for us, for whatever we're doing on the journey. And I think that when the affirmation comes from God, it, it feeds into our self-worth. In fact, it, it anchors us. It actually, it actually not just anchors us, it, it liberates us to be the person God's called us to be. So it's like if I have these moments where God speaks to me and says, Calvin, this is who you are. You're, you know, you're my child. These, these are the things I've called you to do. I mean, I've had some moments in the last year where it's like I've, I've had these moments in prayer and it's almost like it's, it's, it's not just affirmed me, but it's encouraged me to speak certain things into people's lives in a particular way, in a way that maybe only I could. And then I'm seeing some sort of fruit of that weeks or months later. And it's incredibly powerful, but it's like I needed to hear that affirmation. So God speaks to the character of the person. He speaks to the character of you. It's like, what would, what would God say to you about you? And I can promise you, it's not, it's not something horrible. It's not something degrading. It's something beautiful and uplifting. Something deeply affirming. This is what God does. He speaks to that. And it's like, and in saying that, even though everyone in Israel knew that about Joshua, you have to wonder, like, what at that moment be strong and courageous? You know, the voice of God saying that. 
you have to believe that gives them confidence to step through and, 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 and lead Israel across the Jordan and into the promised land. Amazing thing for Joshua. Ah. And then my final thing is this, is that, is that in this little bit of scripture, we see that there is an, an emphasis and an invitation to, to never stop learning and growing. So we know that Joshua was like the right hand of Moses, that he was an incredibly influential and important person in this story. We know that he had this incredible relationship with God, that there was an incredible closeness, that, that even the things God said to him, he was able to, to, to take to the people of Israel. But he also wasn't a fully formed person. He was still growing. And so uh, in, in, uh, in the final verses, there is, the, there is this whole thing around the law and this encouragement to meditate on it. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all uh, to do according to all that is written in it. Um, for, you, uh, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So there is this encouragement to continue to let the scriptures or to let the law shape what is happening in his life. And so there's this sense and this encouragement for me that like, well, we can't neglect these things. There's no point where we, kinda, where, we, where we finally figure it out and nail down what it means to be a Christian or you know, a follower of God. There's no point where we ever figure it out. But there's this invitation regardless of where we're at. Man, don't let these things depart from you. Meditate on it. Think about it. Wrestle with it. Question it. Have conversations about it celebrate it in community, all these sorts of things. But if you let, if you let it inform your life, it's going to move you towards the thing that, you, that God has in store. I think that that is an important thing for us. And so we have these sort of lessons that come out. Just out of these first nine verses, this, out of this commissioning for Joseph, it's this encouragement that the, the promise is never fulfilled without God in the mix. We've got this idea that God speaks to the character of who we are. And then there's this invitation to keep growing, to let the uh, scriptures shape us. And so ultimately what we have in this story, uh, in, the, in an exploration of the story of, of Joshua, like I said before, it's less, about, it's less actually about how he was transformed and about how consistent, consistent he was. It's also less about how we are transformed and it's more about what it looks like for us to cling to faith really in the most adverse and challenging situations. What was, what was put before Joshua was no small task to lead people who've been living in the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years of, of, of disappointment, 40 years of doubt, of questioning, of wrestling. But Joshua was recognized for standing steadfast through all of it for standing by the promises and trusting for what was to come. And then actually when the time came to be the person who said, all right, we're going to move in faith and do this. Those are, those are big things. But I think they require lots and lots of small yeses, lots of listening, lots of, lots of looking for the gentle whisper of God. God, what are you saying about me? What are you inviting me towards? How can I still grow? What can I learn from? All these sorts of things. God, I want to keep, I'll trust in your promise, even if it's just for today. I just trust, I trust. So choosing those things over and over again. So when we talk about the journey of Joshua, this is the thing I think we're talking about. Consistent, courageous, strong faith. 
At the very end of, of the book of Joshua, he makes two speeches to the people of Israel. And all he does there is he emphasizes how good the Lord has been to the Israelites. And then he finishes uh, with, this, with this little challenge in uh, chapter 24, verse 14, where he says, worship the Lord, obey him, and always be faithful. Why does he say that? I think it's just because that's what he valued. That's what, that's what he marked his life with. Somewhere along the line, somewhere between just before he left Egypt or somewhere along the way uh, of, of being in the wilderness for 40 years. Or maybe even if he just discovered it just at that, at that little commissioning moment. But that became the mark of his life to worship and, and to move towards obedience and to trust always to be faithful. And I think that there's something when we consider that journey, something that we can apply to our own. So I want to invite you to stand. And um, we might just put a little bit of like nice little music on in the background or something. But I just want to give us just a few moments, just, just give a little bit of space for God. And... Um, I think as we start this thing, you know, if, if, if today represents something of a start for us as a, as a community, um, I just want to give space to, to invite God into our journeys. I want to invite God into our journey as a community and not just as the evening service community, but as Shore Vineyard Church. I want to invite Him into the journeys of, of maybe our, our different families or individual lives because each and every one of us is on a journey, coming from different places, different situations, different things going on, different fears, different questions, whatever. But here's the thing, this, and this is, this is what I believe. I believe that wherever we are, wherever we're coming from, that when you have a moment like this, we worship a God that doesn't say, hey, I'm over here and there's X, Y, and Z that you have to do to come here, right? I believe that, that this God we worship, when we, when we invite Him, He just sort of like gently comes alongside us, says, I'm here, I'm with you. And that's, and that's, that's what I think we have an opportunity to just, just invite and let happen this evening. So Holy Spirit, come. In power and peace, we invite You. We invite You to step into the journey of our community, we invite you to step into the journey of our families, of our friend groups, of our workplaces. And Lord, we invite you to step into the journey of each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that we would know that you, that, that you come alongside us. That you are not far away and that it's not about the right things we do to try and sort of punch through and connect with this faraway God, but Lord, that you are close, that you are near. And Lord, would we, would we know your closeness this evening, I pray. Come close. Come close, Holy Spirit. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Shore Vineyard Podcast. 
Real quick, before you go, if you haven't already, it would be a great idea to subscribe to the podcast, especially if somebody sent this to you, so that you don't miss when the next episode gets published. And if you are on Auckland's North Shore and in the Forest Hill or the Bays area, we'd love to host you in person at one of our services, either 10am or 5pm this coming Sunday. It would be our honour to host you as a guest this weekend. Whatever is in store for you for the rest of the day, the rest of this week, I hope it is a good one, and we'll see you next time here on the Shore Vineyard Podcast.